You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another wonderful conversation all about beauty and skincare. Today, I'm getting to know Megan O'Neill, and she is the senior beauty editor at Goop. Yes, we all know Goop. And I was just like, I have to talk to someone at Goop eventually. And I've actually always known Megan's work, even like before she was at Goop. There were people that worked with her when she was at L that said that she was great. And I finally was able to get her on the podcast. She's also a mom like me. And we also both grew up in New York City. So we had a really great conversation. Now, I will say, and this is to be expected if you were speaking to someone from Goop, there is a lot of conversation about clean beauty and ingredients being clean. Now, I am, I think, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit here. I am quick to caveat and say that clean doesn't have a meaning, which she also agrees with me on. And just being more specific when we say clean, which also leads me to another interview that I have coming up that I'm very excited about. I speak to Deb Kilgore from Paula's Choice all about their ingredient dictionary that they launched and basically like what skincare ingredients do what for your skin? What should we avoid? Are parabens really that bad? Why or why not? So I'm excited for that interview. I love when I can bring people on that just like have like an encyclopedic knowledge of all skincare ingredients and can also just like suss out like fact from fiction. But overall, I just love getting product recommendations from people that are in the industry and just get access to everything. Like I now think about from when I started this podcast to now, how many products I get sent to my door. And I love trying things, which is why, um, I mean, I, I don't say yes to everything, but I try to say yes to a lot of things and things that I think that you guys would be excited about because the more products I can try, the better one. I just love using it for my skin, of course. Like who's going to say no to like beautiful skincare products um, arriving at the doorstep? But two, it really helps me tell you guys what's good, what's worth spending money, what you can like just skip altogether. So editors get sent everything. They get sent the best of the best. So I just like love hearing from beauty editors what they're personally using and what they're excited about because again, they get to try it all. Other than that, I've been really good. I've been doing, I feel like a million career panels. I have a career panel tomorrow morning with Rent the Runway. I'm speaking to the Black employees at Rent the Runway, which I'm so excited about because you guys know, like I talk about Rent the Runway all the time. I have had their subscription. I had it through my pregnancy, through the pandemic, because I was like, I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of maternity clothes. I'm just going to size up in some like easy, flowy, breezy dresses 
same thing with pants, same thing. And just my body's just changed so much in the past two years. So I've been holding on to that Rent the Runway subscription for dear life. So I'm excited to talk to the Black employees at Rent the Runway. I'm also speaking to the Black employees at Condé Nast. Yes, Condé Nast. That is on Thursday morning, I believe. So I have a very packed agenda. And just talking about all things career, I think a lot of people are curious about starting a side hustle if you have a full-time job. I've certainly done that with Naked Beauty. Naked Beauty was a labor of love. It was a hobby. I never, ever, ever thought there would be any financial gain from me starting a podcast. I certainly didn't do it to become rich and famous. Not that I'm rich and famous now, but I did it because I wanted to hear conversations with women that I found interesting about skincare and beauty. And so I just put together a plan and I did it. And I said, first, it's going to be bi-weekly and then I'm going to go to weekly and I will grow my team from there. I'm going to have to edit all of the podcasts myself at first, which I did for the first two and a half years. Now, thankfully, thank God I'm able to have an editor. Thank you so much to Daniel and Riley at Podigy, amazing company. I think about Elijah, my editorial lead, who was my first ever intern at Naked Beauty. She she was actually at NYU at the time. I think she was a senior at NYU when she started working with me. Again, a listener who reached out and was really enthusiastic. I think about Salam, my project manager who just helps me with my calendar and my schedule. And like, Lord knows I am not the most organized person, but she like literally texts me screenshots of emails I need to respond to. I feel grateful that I've worked up to the point where I'm even able to financially have a team, a very, very small team for this podcast that I put out every week. But I do think that one of the things that I hope I can express to people in these panels this week is that if you have an idea or an inkling for something, if it's something that you would do with zero monetary compensation, it's something that you feel excited about, something that you feel like the world needs, then just put yourself out there and do it and just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And before you know it, you will have created success on your own terms and you can do it all with a full-time job. Now, do I sleep as much as the average person? No. Is it 10 p.m. right now as I'm recording this and I haven't had dinner yet? Yes. Is that a good thing? No. Like There are sacrifices that are made in the pursuit of your dream, but I wouldn't change it for anything. And for me, it's worth it. So that's just a quick little bit of wisdom that I wanted to share with you before we got into today's conversation with Megan. Let's get into the episode. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
Megan, welcome to Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having me. Well, I've known about your work for a while in the beauty industry and your writing, but why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Okay. Hi, I'm Megan O'Neill. I'm (laughs) the senior beauty editor at Goop. And let's see, before Goop, I was at Elle Magazine doing similar things. I was um, the beauty and fitness senior editor. And before that, I was at Lucky Magazine. So I, my beat has been beauty, even if I didn't sort of intend for it to be when I started out. But I'm loving beauty still. <laughs> Love it. How long have you been at Goop? Almost four years. Okay. Now, what were the expectations before joining Goop versus the reality? Because I'm sure as you told people, oh, I'm going to go work at Goop, I'm sure you heard some feedback, some thoughts. Yeah. And, and I, I had thoughts. So I, I remember like, you know, my last week at L, I was in the beauty closet and I was like, oh my God, I have to like hoard all these products because they actually work. And I'm going somewhere where they talk about clean beauty, which I'm into, but like, it's not going to work like this. So I got to like, you know, hoard this and like bring home bags of these creams. <laughs> and I mean, that was, that was four years ago at this point. But the thing is, Clean beauty is, you know, it's not that it works. And I don't think it always worked. I think we've come such a long way, but it works and it's beautiful and it's like more luxurious than anything. And I just remember that, that being a thing, but okay. Your question was different. Your question was expectations goop. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, goop gets a lot of crap. Uh, mainly because our boss is Gwyneth Paltrow. And um, I remember wondering like, oh, like how involved is she? I wonder. And she, I mean, it's her company. Like she's, she's so involved when we're back in the office, like you don't turn around when she's in the room. Like she's just, it's her ideas. It's her vision. Like it's, it's cool. And she's a, a really cool, really smart person. That's awesome. I'm happy that you're having such a great experience and that you're helping to kind of shape the way that beauty and wellness is discussed on Goop. I think your voice is very, very appreciated. And I hear you on on the clean beauty, like clean makeup. We were just talking about makeup before we started recording. Do you remember like the early days of like Whole Foods makeup? Yeah. The grossest packaging too. Didn't work, was like clumpy. But yeah, the packaging bothers me the most, right? Because you don't want to whip like a cool thing out of your bag and it's not cool to like put on your lips you know like it was just gnarly I know what do you think about the term clean well it's loaded right because it's not like there's like a a a real dictionary definition of what it means so it's appropriated a lot by things that aren't clean you know it's like it's like the same as natural often you know it's just it's like branding and everyone knows that that's what's desirable so so people appropriate it who aren't making clean things. Yeah, I think as I've as I've interviewed more dermatologists and educated myself, I'm trying to not use the term clean and just speak to what I actually mean. So if it's something that has a natural cold pressed oil, I'll be like, oh, it's like a botanical or oil. But it's sometimes clean is a helpful descriptor, but I agree it's it's hard to regulate. It is hard to regulate, yeah. So Megan, what did beauty look like for you growing up? And where did you grow up? I grew up in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. Okay. I was Upper East Side. Oh, were you, oh you're a city girl? I'm a, I went to Spence with, with Gwyneth, not with Gwyneth, but 
Gwyneth Paltrow is one of our famed alumni. Um, but yes, I grew up in New York City. Well, I was across the street from you at Nightingale. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I know a lot about the way that you grew up <laughs> and what beauty looked like. Totally. Okay. So what did beauty look like? Well, I, I was always, I've always been into self-expression and usually that's with clothes, but I, I just, I love to look the way I feel and yeah, like how, what I wear and what I do with my hair and all that has always been a thing for me. So I remember, I think Sephora had just opened maybe, and maybe I was in like eighth grade Memory's weird, but I think that's what was going on. And Sephora had just opened and they had just launched their makeup line. And I was obsessed with these like chunky eyeliners they had. And it, it was a big pencil. It said Sephora on it. And I loved the hot orange one. And I would just like mash it in the corner of my eyes. I had no skill, but I was like, oh my God, hot orange, uh, like eyeliner. Like how, you know, I just thought it was the coolest thing. So I would put it in the corner of my eye and I would go out with it and Going out was like, maybe this was later, but remember the clubs like Flow and Lotus and all that? Oh gosh, Lotus. Yes. Bringing me back. And you know, that's the other thing about growing up in New York City. Like you go to nightclubs when you're in high school, which is not appropriate, but it just happens. I know. Now we have kids and I'm just like, I know what you're, what you're in for. Oh, I know. And watching Euphoria doesn't help. No, it doesn't. Oh, right. It's terrifying. But I, I'm sure Nightingale was similarly not diverse in terms of there probably weren't a lot of Black girls in your class. Is that something that, how did that make you feel? It's funny looking back on it because when you're, first of all, yeah, I was the only Black girl in my class for maybe like five years of a, of a whole grade of 42 girls. And that was my normal and always had been my normal at an Upper East Side private school. So that in itself made it comfortable on a sense, but also it's utterly uncomfortable on, on this other level, right? Like no one looks like you, like the teachers don't look like you, the people who have power don't look like you. And I, I do think that does something to you psychologically, not seeing people who look like you and not seeing people in high positions that look like you. What does it do to you? Ugh, it, it's it's such a hard thing to say, you know. Like I, I think it's shaped me in a lot of ways. All the things that every black person has said about having to work harder because they look different. But also on the positive side, I think it sort of ingrains in you that we're all the fucking same. I had a you know a, a largely good experience, but. Yeah, I don't want that for my child to be the only Black person in his class or grade. Yeah, I totally understand. What made you want to become a beauty writer? You know, it's funny. I didn't. I like I had no interest in in working in beauty, but I just wanted to work at a freaking magazine, and I wanted to be in this industry and just involved in popular culture in some way. So I remember I I was out of college. And I got an interview at Lucky Magazine with um, Jean Godfrey June, who was, you know... Icon? Yeah, beauty icon. She, I work with her at Goop now. She's the beauty director. She's also my great friend now, too. But anyway, I went in to interview with her, and I prepared this whole speech, this whole lie about how I was obsessed with beauty, and I was a beauty junkie, and I loved beauty. 
and you know, I, I like, we, we all like beauty. I love a lotion and, you know, I love to feel pretty and have nice skin, but I didn't, I, I was not a beauty junkie and I still am not. So I prepared this whole story, this whole lie. And the interview was going great. We had a good vibe going and I was about to like launch in my lie to like, to really finish it off. And just before I did, she was like, you know, I'm so happy you came in here and didn't talk about how much you love beauty and like how you're a beauty junkie. And I was like, oh my God, I like, I almost just ruined this for myself because she's sort of the same way. She, she's not a beauty junkie and she's not obsessed with beauty. And I think both of us are sort of more into the vibe that beauty lends you, you know, when you put on a lipstick, like how that feels versus like product, product, product. Yes. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. So you were thrown in to it and you probably had to start testing millions of products all the time, doing desk size, doing all the things that beauty editors do. Did it feel overwhelming? Did it feel like, okay, I can do this? Like, how did you feel those first few months in your career, in your new career as a beauty editor? Yeah, I think I loved it. It was like a thrill and it was enthralling and, and it was so glamorous in a way you know, to have to try all these like beautiful products that you can never afford on your own. Like the most glamorous thing, it's still super glamorous. I also, I loved how beauty writing sort of made me, it forces you to be a better writer because people love beauty, but like, it's, you know, a lipstick. It's like, how do you make a lipstick sound incredible? Like you kind of have to be creative, you know, and you have to talk about other things aside them aside from the actual product. You have to talk about the mood and how it makes you feel and what images it conjures. So I really do think that writing beauty has just made me a more imaginative, stronger writer. Yeah, I think that that totally makes sense. It does take special writing shops to talk about these products and communicate how they make you feel. You mentioned price point, And I think that's really interesting to touch on because I think one of the criticisms of... And I'm, I'm using the term clean because everyone understands what clean means. Also knowing clean isn't really clearly defined. But one of the criticisms of clean beauty is that it's not accessible. It's not affordable. I can't go and buy the Vintner's Daughter uh, Botanical Serum. What do you think it's going to take to make more of these products accessible? And how do you approach price point when you're writing about these products? Well, first of all, it is becoming more accessible. Like there are a bunch of clean brands in drugstores now, which is the best news ever. Which brands? They're some of my favorites, actually. And a lot of them are, are owned and you know founded by people of color and Black women. Unsun is Frank Ocean's mom's mineral sunscreen. It's on Goop too. It's super beautiful. And they're just launching, they're going to be launching in CBS. And then there's the brand Undefined. I just found out about them. It's really pretty. They have this sun serum that's an SPF 30 or 50. Anyway, you know, it's legit SPF coverage, but it's this like really light sort of milky serum that just blends, like melts into skin. That's a drug. Nikeo. She is really beautiful product. She's at drugstores. There's a brand of Sutra and it's like, it has CBD. It has magnesium bath soaks. Waleda is like one of the best moisturizers. There's skin food. So there's, there's a bunch of clean at drugstores now, which is great. And I think where we're headed, but also it's like being in this country, right? You have to pay more to eat clean too. Like organic food is not accessible. It's, it's hard and it's elitist and it shouldn't be, but it is. So I think a bunch of elements of society have to change for clean to rain. But 
I think clean beauty is, is becoming more accessible. And one of the things about Goop is we sell these really beautiful, high-end, expensive beauty products a lot of the time. Not everything is a billion dollars, but Vintners, for instance, right? It's like, it's $180, but it's, it's beautiful and it's small batch made and it takes like something like 30 days for each bottle. And the founder is this really kind woman who... Yes, April, she's, she's, she's been on the podcast. We, yeah, yeah. we know and love April at, at Naked Beauty. My point is you're paying for something special with the vendor. I totally agree. You're paying for something special. And, and also you can go and buy like cold pressed jojoba oil and like put that on your face at night as like a beautiful facial oil. It doesn't have to be a branded product, which I feel like more people are waking up to. But there's also this whole backlash against clean and natural products where people think they don't work and they're not effective. And I am very much caught in the middle because I love all the all the doctors, all the dermatologists, and I love the science that they bring to the conversation. But I also do enjoy making my own products and putting a little sea buckthorn oil in my carrier oil at night. And so I feel like I'm very firmly like between the two camps. Like I'll do a SkinCeuticals and I'll go to Mountain Rose Herbs and buy cold pressed oil in bulk and mix my own. That is great. That's the way to be. But, but also I do think it's interesting that, I mean, beauty and fashion are different, but like a brand like Gucci is so expensive and they don't get flack for being that expensive, but like a face oil does. And I'm, it's just interesting, you know? I think that's a great point. People are so used to luxury fashion, a designer t-shirt, but this like concept of a designer moisturizer, people are like, what am I paying for? That's interesting. Right. What are your favorite, favorite skincare products right now? I can't say of all time, but like right now, what are you using and absolutely loving? I am loving Human Race, which is Pharrell's new skincare line. Um, I, I mean, Pharrell, I just, I feel like whatever he does, it's just so deluxe and cool and actually works. And also look at his skin. Like I, I Google him at night, even before he had a skincare line, his skin is insane. Like he's, I think he's 48 and it's like sculpted, glowy. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like you are just a beautiful man in person. So he started a skincare line and I was like, I have to try that because it's Pharrell and it's actually incredible. Yeah, and he worked it. with a New York dermatologist to make yes. it. So it's Dr. Like, Elena it's, Jones also, yeah, also yeah. been on the podcast and my dermatologist. Oh, no way. Amazing. Yes. I'm yes. interviewing her for a story in like a week. She's amazing. You're, you guys are going to have a great interview. What do you like from human race? Uh, my thing is the humidifying cream. That's like, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Me too. Obsessed with it. I use it every single morning. It's great. So good. It's like, okay. in- and then, so yeah, human race. And then I also love, um, vitamin C just sort of makes everyone's skin look better, like brighter and a little more toned and just a little more sparkly. So I love vitamin C year round. Um, and I love the one from Goop, not just saying that because I work there. It's like really strong or, or powerful is a better word. You, it comes in, in two parts and you mix them together. So, you know, it's like potent, like when you oh, get wow. it, it's like, prep. and it just makes your skin look better over time. Okay. This vitamin C for people that have like never ventured into vitamin C, where do you use it in your skincare routine? Is it like a morning thing? Is it a nighttime thing? How do you layer vitamin C into your skincare? 
it's so easy and it sort of fits, not sort of, it fits into any skincare routine. If you're exfoliating or you're using acids or, you know, whatever, it's really just easy. Like it's no effort. So you, you just put it on after you wash your face. So let's say you wake up in the morning, you, you wash your face with water or cleanser, whatever you do, and you just apply it after on damp skin. And you kind of always want to apply your products on damp skin because damp skin is more porous and it, it drinks up the product more efficiently. So wash your face, vitamin C, and then your moisturizer and sunscreen. Because I'll be wearing sunscreen. Yes, we should all be wearing sunscreen. What's your go-to sunscreen? I love unsun. Unsun. Okay. I need to try unsun because you're the second person that I've heard talk about it and like mineral sunscreen that works on brown skin. I am very intrigued. Oh, it's there. There's, there's a bunch that work on dark skin for real. Really? Okay. Tell me others. Mineral. Organic Pharmacy, Viva Sada, Biosense has a really pretty one. Cheapress. Like the tech is there. Interesting. I'm going to try some of these. I, I, I did a whole like test, but I didn't try those, those brands. I'm going to try these. What are your like beauty splurge products? Like what are the things that just make you feel really good? Whether it's a fragrance, a body oil, like what are the things that you just feel like cocooned in luxury when you use? Uh, I love body stuff. Like some people can't leave the house without like a little makeup. I can't leave without just being covered in oil and like glistening in oil. (laughs) So I love um, body butters and body oils. The brand Uma has this beautiful body balm. I think it's called the anti-aging body balm. I have it here. Yeah. And it just smells like a thousand flowers. It melts into your skin. Like it makes your limbs all supple and beautiful. It's just like the most heavenly experience to put it on and put it on wet skin, like out of the shower too. So it sinks in. Yes. Now we both have the experience of becoming moms. Do you find that you still wear fragrance? Cause I stopped for a very long time wearing fragrance. Cause it's just like you're breastfeeding. You've got a baby on top of you all day. You don't want to be like wearing perfume, but now I'm back into fragrance and I'm loving it. Are you a fragrance girl? You know, okay. Not to be like clean, clean, clean and the spokesperson for clean, but there are, there are really pretty clean fragrances that sidestep all the secret crazy ingredients that can be in conventional fragrances. So I kind of like, I've been wearing certain fragrances like that brand heretic. Do you know heretic? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love their, they have so many, whether you like flowers or whether you like something earthier and not as like, you know, sweet and and feminine ish. But my favorite from them is Jasmine smoke. And it, I love the smell of Jasmine, but it's like, smoky jasmine and it's the perfect balance of of being light and sparkling but also a little more mysterious and earthy you you love fragrance i do i make a lot of my own essential oil based fragrances so i love my obsession right now is palo santo oil like i am obsessed i love that too i just do that with like a little frankincense and lately i've been adding a little tangerine and it's just like Oh my God. I want your fragrances. That sounds like such a good blend. <laughs> I know. I need, I need to like, you know, I've got a million jobs and this podcast. I, but yes, maybe one day I will make, make a fragrance. 
Now, it seems like a dream job, right? You get to write about gorgeous beauty products. You get to put the world on. I'm sure you're also able to economically help support these brands that you believe in, right? If there's a small brand and you think that they're amazing, everyone should know about them. You put them on Goop. I'm sure people reach out to you all the time. Like, oh my gosh, this one article you wrote really impacted our profit. What are the sides of the job that are less glamorous that maybe people don't know about that are just like hard work that you don't maybe always see all the time in terms of being a beauty writer? Right. Yeah. People do just think, even my friends think I just like sniff creams all day and, you know, <laughs> rub them into my skin. And that's, that's so not the job. I'm doing that at like nine at night after like the real job, you know? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unglamorous parts. It's like a full on job that can be stressful and, you know, onerous, like any job on certain days, but basically a a big part of the job is writing about people and and beauty and products. I I love writing. It's like part of who I am, but it's, it's work. And, um, goop is just so content oriented. Like we don't like sling up stories, you know, it's like the, the whole point of goop is that the, there's a story around everything, you know? So like, yeah, we're selling a lipstick, but there's a story around it. And maybe it's the story of the founder or the story of a woman who loves it. But the writing is a really intense part of the job. And I care so much about writing. Everyone at Goop does. Gwyneth cares so much about writing. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a job. It's, it's great. It's a wonderful job, but it's stressful. And, and also I'm off my back from sitting at my computer for a thousand (laughs) hours. Oh, it's a job. (laughs) Yes. You were like such a cool bride. I loved your whole wedding look. Well, you know what? Describe it for people that are listening, how you showed up at your wedding because you looked amazing. Thank you, Brooke. Um, How did I look? I I had a neon green veil and I had like a tutu instead of a wedding dress, I'd say. It was like, you know, pretty short and, and fanned out. And it had some sparkles on it and it had a plunging neckline, which wasn't as plunging as I wanted, but like, remember the JLo dress, the JLo Versace yes, dress? Yes. So originally yes. I had the plunge all the way to my belly button. Like it was below my belly oh button. Oh my God. Yeah. And I showed it to my mom and she was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come to your wedding if you wear that. <laughs> and she was serious. And my mom is like my best friend. So I wanted her to come. So I had them stitch it up a little. So it was a, it was plunging, you know. I don't have big boobs when I'm not breastfeeding. So it wasn't so, it didn't look so scandalous on my flat chest, but. (laughs) It looked amazing. And you had gold, like two gold chains and I think like a gold bracelet and your hair was blonde at the time. I remember when I first started following you, you had like really like blonde, blonde hair. I did. I loved blonde. That was a, that was fun. I, I feel like if I need, if I'm craving some edginess as a mom, as I become more and more of a mom, I'll go blonde again. That's such a vibe. I've been thinking about how I like lately for the first time in my life, I'm like, I kind of want a tattoo or like more piercings. Like I need, I feel like as you become a mom and as you get like targeted, like MZ Wallace bags and like yoga pants, you're like, okay, I need to like edge it up. Like I am not going to be the person in golden goose sneakers. Like I need no, no shade to golden goose sneakers, but you know what I mean? Like you feel like a need to resist. No, I agree. I think a tattoo is a fantastic idea. Do you have any tattoos? I don't. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. My husband has one and is going to get one of um, our son's name on his arm. Do you know about Ephemeral? Because they have a studio in Brooklyn. It's a tattoo that only lasts for one year. No, really? 
Yes. And I've been researching and you know, you have that column on Goop, Megan tries, you should go and they have great PR. Like they're doing an amazing job. It's like a newish company. Um, you should investigate that for Goop. We'd love to see your coverage of that. How, so do you even know how it works? Like, is it, is it pigment in your skin? Still? It's some special ink. You, you would appreciate, they talk about the ingredients and them being clean and they show the process of how it's going to look after six months, after nine months, after a year, it's faded completely. I know someone who, who got it. She got one on the back of her neck and it looks really cool and it's going to be gone in a year. So that could be something wow. to try. Yeah. What an idea. If I was, you know, one of those billion dollar investors, I would throw my money into that. I know. I think they are getting a lot of investment. So how has your approach to beauty changed now since you're a mom? We sort of touched on it, but let's get deeper. Well, I, it really, it hasn't gotten any cleaner because I'm, I'm doing the same things in that sense. But I think I do, I do more massage now, I would say. At the end of the day, you've, you've worked, you've like put your child to bed and it just feels especially good to, you know, like massage your leg or whatever and put some body oil on or do some, I don't know, do some face massage in the shower. And yeah, so I, I'm doing more of that. And also maybe this isn't because I'm a mom, but it coincides with me being a mom, but I've started getting, um, I've gotten two chemical peels at the dermatologist. I've been going to Dr. McCrean Alexiades. She's incredible. And she does this chemical peel that takes minutes and I literally walk out of her office with better skin. Like it's nuts. So wait, you don't have to deal with peeling and on the like two weeks recovery? No recovery. No, I'll like do yoga that night in my house, not in the studio yet. And yeah, there's no recovery. And it's just like, you literally walk out with glowing skin. Like it's insane. Wow. Have you posted before and afters of this that I've missed? Like I need more info on this. I haven't done that. And I, I probably won't because I'm lazy about posting about people, but, <laughs> but she's great. And that peel is just sort of magic. And I, I mean, I'm 37. Maybe I will eat my words in a couple of years. I don't think I'm a Botox person. Like I don't, I don't think I have wrinkles really, but also I don't know if I will care about wrinkles. I'm more like, I just want like clear skin because acne has been my thing. So I think a peel is the way I'm going to go. No shade to Botox. I don't mean to be like, I don't need it. No, no, no. Like maybe I do. But I just mean, I'm focusing on my acne. I need to get that in check before I think about wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any acne whatsoever. Do you find that your skin can like freak out and, and have breakouts? Yeah, no, like I'm an acne person. I, I, I don't right now. It's true because I probably because I had that peel recently, but I do, I am prone to breakouts and that's like my thing. Mm. Is that one of the things that made you so passionate about clean beauty? Yeah, I think it definitely is. And just clean eating in general, because diet really does affect how your skin looks in my experience. Absolutely. And and it seems like you also use clean cleaning products as well in your house. I do. Yeah. It's just you, I do this every day and you can't like unlearn certain things you hear about what's in a lot of conventional products, you know? So it's not even an effort for me at this point. It's like, it's just like what I go to, what I gravitate to. Yes. I listened to this really interesting podcast and it was called like the wellness to QAnon pipeline. (laughs) And I'll explain a bit more, but they were basically saying there is unfortunately 
a lot of people that are anti-vaxxers that are also really, really adamant about clean everything, clean beauty, clean products. Such a thing. Now, I'm, I shouldn't assume, are you vaccinated? Do you believe in the vaccine? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes a billion times. Yes. Vaccinated. Yes. Everyone got the vaccine. Okay. Oh my God. Well, and I'm, I'm only asking because I do think it's interesting how I think a lot of times with beauty, there is fear mongering, right? So a lot of times people overdo it when they say like, oh, you can be putting all this stuff in your skin and it's toxic and you're going to get cancer. And it's like, okay, calm down. Let's like pull it back a thousand steps. Like, yes, there are things that you can put on your skin that can negatively impact your endocrine system, your hormones, all of that stuff, which is very real. And those are real health effects. But also I think people are afraid of vaccines because they're like, oh, I don't know what's in it. I don't want to inject that into my body. Now you as someone who loves clean products, but also vax boosted, what would you say to people that are worried about like what's in the vaccine? I mean, I also love science though, you know, and that's the thing with clean beauty. Like, like we, we love clean beauty, but science is everything. And here's the thing, right? We know you can die of COVID. We know that because a lot of people have died. So first of all, if you, if you are skeptical about the vaccine, you know what one outcome is if you don't take it, or maybe that, maybe that's not the way to convince people, but like we, we have, we have other vaccines. We, you know, when you, you can't go to school without the measles shots and right. all these other vaccines. And I think people don't know about this vaccine's origins, how it wasn't this slapdash thing that was made in a day. It's like years and years and years of research. This is the culmination of like brilliant research. And I don't think there's been such a good job of maybe disseminating that to people who don't read The Economist. I don't know. But I think people just don't understand that, that it, it is legit. And, and of course, there's, there's so many layers here, right? Like the Tuskegee project and people rightfully not trusting the government because they've, they've done a lot of bad stuff in terms of health care and, you know. No, I was just going to say, I think the other thing is it's not just about you, right? It's about not passing it on to other people that could have like, older people, people that have compromised immune systems. It's not just like, oh, well, if I get it, it's fine. Just be a cold. You know what? I think I have in the past year encountered people in my life that I respect and love that are not interested in getting the vaccine. And that's never a comfortable conversation. And I actually, I actually do want to have more conversation with people that don't believe in the vaccines, not just random people on the internet that are like unhinged, but people that don't believe in it to understand where they're coming from and maybe, yeah, just have a more productive conversation there. But yes, if you're listening to this and you're on the fence and not vaccinated, please get vaccinated. I, I think that's an excellent idea to have conversations. I, I had a conversation with this older man on my street who was like, I'm not getting that, my neighbor. And, and then interestingly, when it got FDA approved, he was like, oh, okay, I'll get it. So that was, that was, to me that that mattered to people. And he seems like someone who doesn't care about FDA approval. Like, <laughs> I don't know, he's a big weed smoker. Not that that plays into it, but, you know, it just surprised me that that's what convinced him to get it. Yes. Well, you've brought up cannabis. Now it's legal. Is that something that you think will become more part of beauty and wellness writing? Obviously there's been this huge CBD craze and CBD and skincare, but do you think we'll start to see more like beauty editors and writers talk about 
cannabis and like wellness writers talk about cannabis? Because I feel like I'm not seeing it as much as I should. I, yeah, I, I do think that people are starting to talk a lot about it and they'll talk more about it. And it, it seems like, you know, there's real research behind its benefits, not all of it. Obviously, it depends on where it's coming from and how pure and good it is. But there's real research on how it's anti-inflammatory. And it seems like it can be a really powerful tool in skincare. But but as with anything, not not everyone is going to do it in the most efficacious way, you know? Absolutely. And what do you do for self-care? Like you have, let's say, a glorious two hours to yourself on a Saturday. What are you going to do? Is it even going to be a beauty treatment or are you just going to like do something totally unrelated? You know what? It's not, it's probably not going to be beauty. It's going to be yoga or Pilates or a run and like cooking something. It's not going to be like, oh, let me go get a facial. I love a facial, but I, I feel the prettiest when I'm moving or like after I've moved and exercise is just such a like nourishing thing for me. I, it's so weird. I'm a writer because I, I hate sitting and I do it literally every second. So any chance I can get to not sit and like do some yoga, I, it makes me so happy. I need to get into yoga and I need to get into running. Like where does one start? Like I hate running so I think it's because I did track. I just hate running so much. And I kind of hate running too. Doesn't everyone kind of hate running, <laughs> even if you love it? it? I mean, it's grueling. It's awful. It really is. I can't help you with the running. I feel like you people hate run and that's what they do. <laughs> okay. What about yoga? Because I feel like my I'm just all over the place. My mind is wandering. I like can't focus. How do I get into yoga? Well, that's all part of it. The mind wandering and the not being able to focus. Like that's kind of what it is. You know, it's kind of like, there's no wrong way to meditate. Like even if you're like off somewhere else, you're still doing it. I think it's kind of like that. Like it's never going to be perfect. You're going to have like things outside the door going on. You're going to have like emails you're thinking about. But I think just like the action of doing it and making yourself get away from those things is, is part of the mental reprieve of yoga too. Yeah. And you feel like everything in your life has improved since your yoga practice? Yeah, I do. And also just giving yourself the permission to do it and like do something for yourself for that hour is resounding throughout the day. And it just makes your body feel like stronger and more fluid. And I feel like it helped, um, it helped birthing and being pregnant. It helped me feel good. My yoga and Pilates. My final question for you, when do you feel most beautiful? I think it's got to be after yoga or Pilates. And, and also just when I'm not conscious of how I look, like when I'm like engrossed in something else. So usually when I'm outside or when I'm cooking, it's just, it kind of sucks to like obsess about your flaws or even just be like aware of how you look. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like when workout classes don't have mirrors. I do too. Focus on the movements. You're going to look if it's there. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's so beautiful talking to you and hearing your story. And I will link to where everyone can read all of your great writing on Goop. And yeah, thank you so much, Megan. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. All right. That was Megan O'Neill, uh, the senior beauty editor from Goop. I hope you guys enjoyed 
hearing from her, I feel like I learned about a lot of new products that I'm excited to try and that I want to get into. And yeah, overall, just wonderful conversation. Stay tuned. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Naked Beauty because I have some incredible episodes coming out in the next few weeks that I'm really excited to share with you all. Thank you all so much for listening and for your support. And I'll talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.